will find you. And I will kill you. Yeah. I am the walrus. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Just been revoked. Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Because it is my name! I see Dave. Today, Junior? Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Like scary. Uh huh. What's your favorite scary? The price is wrong, bitch. Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And this week, we are continuing our journey through the series that is The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, and as always, for these special MCU episodes, I'm joined by Leslie. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing, Leslie? I'm doing all right. I'm glad as as of recording, we are in the weekend and uh, glad to be away from work for a little bit. Yeah. Only only to go to our non-paid part-time job. Because <laughs> <laughs> we'll be doing uh, some some extra work this week. Uh, we got another double episode release. Although I think, depending on how I feel about it, we may release the uh, Godzilla vs. Kong episode midweek rather than dropping two in the same day. Because I think when we did that with Justice League and our... Um, our review of, I think, episode one or episode two of, of Falcon Winter Soldier, uh, it really diverted attention from both individual episodes. And people are now starting to like, oh, there were two instead of just one. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll talk well, with. It was, it was a big drop. It was a big drop. And it was it was a very long review from us for for Justice League. I mean, it makes sense for a very long movie. And uh, then, you know, you and I like to geek out when we talk about anything comic book or, or nerd nerdum related. So uh, and considering we can't really have these conversations with a lot of the people we work with. So <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, yes, we are covering um, episode three of Falcon and Winter Soldier. And, um, this episode, uh, it's titled power broker. And this is our midpoint of the season. We've got the, you know, six episodes and 
like we kind of said in our last uh, review episode that this was probably going to be where we were starting to get more reveals. And I feel like we got we got some of it um, overall, you know, in in a general basis, like we kind of got to understand how this soldier super soldier serum uh, is making its way back into the reality and uh, and some other reveals. So. Without uh, further ado, again, like with the other episodes, it's kind of minor spoilers just from the observation. So, you know, forewarned is forearmed. (laughs) That's right. And and that that is something we've talked about um, in the prior episodes. And I think a little bit of our criticisms of just not necessarily the MCU shows, but the Disney Plus shows in of themselves have seemed uh, granted. There's only been now just like really three of them in all reality, although there is uh, the mighty ducks and it seems like it's going to have the same problem that I have a little bit with the Mandalorian, although not, not, not too much. I haven't watched the second episode yet, but the first episode was like 41 minutes. And then I think this new one is like 33 minutes. And like, that was the problem I had kind of with some of the Mandalorian is you, it's really disorienting to not know kind of week by week what, time that you need to allot to the show, especially with so much out there in the market for competition of my attention or what do I feel like I can fit in in my my weekend schedule or during my week. Um, And so with having like a 40 minute episode one week and a 30 minute episode the next week or a 20 minute episode, I agree with you because you've made a very good point that they're at least telling, you know, the story that they feel is adequate. Like they're not trying to overstretch it or try to fill in too much and, or to try to stretch it out to fit a a particular runtime. Um, but I have liked kind of that uniformity we've had with Falcon and winter soldier. It's been pretty much about 50 minutes, uh, give or take for each episode. Now this is the longest one just at about 53 minutes. Um, but it's done a good job of at least justifying, even if we might find some points to either be not really great for the pacing or, um, you know, that they maybe could have cut this out. It was just extra. It's still enough that justifies that runtime. And it's kind of nice to know waking up on a Friday morning being like, okay, I've got 40 to 50 minutes. I, I, I can get this watched in this time before I start work. So I can avoid all the internet spoilers. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's it's been very nice, I think, a nice ancillary f- uh, feature to Falcon and Winter Soldier that we didn't quite have with uh, WandaVision, although I, I do like how WandaVision kind of built up to its runtimes, like it was fitting into that, uh, you know, regular sitcom kind of runtime. And then as, you know, that reality was unraveling and the story was really unfolding, the episodes got longer. Um, but that's... Just something I, I, an observation I've made. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Uh, not, not really. Not quite yet. Yeah. I know you haven't been really critical like I have on those varying run times. No, the, the varying run times doesn't really bother me. It would shock me more if like the first episode was 20 minutes and then I come in and there's one that's like 90. Yeah. You know, like that sort of a thing. I, I appreciate when the director, the writer, whomever it is who's got the creative control of an episode is able to tell the story they want and without having to fatten it. Right. You know, or, or add in things 
or you know again justice league are having to cut out way too much <laughs> right you know because i did finally finish it but um i i just appreciate when you have the story and you can you can tell it and have the length that you need i understand that maybe they need to cut it but like i wouldn't expect any of these to be like over an hour right like, that would be shocking but as long as they're st- still kind of in that 30 to 60 it doesn't really bother me if one is 30 and the other is 60. Yeah, it might be just kind of a, a conditioning thing that Netflix kind of has managed to do because it was the first big like company to go into the streaming and develop their own shows. And then you would get like an hour and a half episode and then you'd get a 20 minute episode or a 30 minute episode. And um, the only difference really being you had kind of those episodes all dropped at once and that then made you able to kind of determine what you could do with your schedule and watching them if you are a binger. And there are very few shows right now that can make me actually binge. And I, I think I talked about it maybe in the Justice League episode or, or one of our previous shows, or maybe I haven't even talked about it at all, but like a show that has actually really invigorated me to binge it has been uh, justified um, on Hulu uh, it was a, you know, an FX show that ran for six years and it's so just like a captivating show and it's very entertaining and it doesn't feel like it's 42 minutes. So like once I finish that episode, I want to move on to the next one. Uh, another show that was very good at doing that was 24, um, and, you know, with especially kind of its gimmick of having the running clock and you kind of know and then you it the nice thing being it adjusted for commercial breaks as well. Uh, it was, it was very easy to kind of burn through episodes, but I do appreciate this format from Disney plus that, uh, they're not necessarily dropping all the episodes at once. I kind of do like this old, you know, fashion. Okay. I'm going to wake up on Friday or I'm going to wait till Friday night. And I got the episode to watch, you know, that old style TV. And it, it's so funny that that's old style TV now. I know. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're the old fogies now. So (laughs) (laughs) before too long, we'll be on at the kids to get off the lawn. Um, but yeah, it it is kind of nice to know, like, I, I don't feel any pressure. Um, by its release schedule, like I, I, I well, do. I've always felt like releasing like this was smarter for for the shows anyway because it helps generate that free publicity that it can get. Of course, they can't control if it's bad or good, right? But you know, when you have reviewers like podcasts and YouTube and and all the other blogs and and such, then they have a whole week to build up your show and like this is so you know people who are telling you how great it is or they're into it people telling you how terrible it is and you know they're not into it but you have like all this free that you don't have to pay them nobody's paying you know people to do this right i mean if they are um please let me know (laughs) yes sponsor us please (laughs) but you know it's that it's free like you don't have to do anything and i think when they drop everything all at once you kind of lose out on having that yeah, and you know, it, free to be able to to get people to interact and and um, I'm trying to think of another word besides publicize. Where's my thesaurus? <laughs> well, to, to kind of build off that, maybe this is the word you're looking for. It kind of gives that communal um, yeah. aspect to it. Like we're all experiencing it on the same day, and and uh, we're not like the crazy people who don't have jobs but still manage to have like all the subscriptions out there can watch it in one sitting and then blurt out to the world spoilers. And 
kind of like a, a, a reference to that is um, Godzilla vs. Kong, you know, re- weird thing it released on a Wednesday, but uh, I knew I needed to kind of watch that as soon as possible. Um, and even though I, uh, I do watch some YouTube live streams and some people that were very uh, like excited for the movie, like I know in their chat rooms, there are going to be those trolls who are going to spoil or sites that have been really egregious about this have been like IGN or uh, comicbook.com or screen rant where they just assume everyone can just drop what they're doing and watch it all right then and there. And then they're just writing their spoiler articles and, and putting it in their headlines or in their thumbnails. And, uh, whereas like with kind of this episode released by, by week, like you do get that, okay, everyone's probably going to get it watched by Friday. Everyone's going to do their reviews over the weekend or do their articles of speculation. And instead of those people who are just like, Oh, I got to watch it to the end. It's red skull or something, you know, like it's something that would then completely ruin that experience. Whereas now solution for you, what's that? It's one word. What, what, well, I try to do that on the weekends. Uh, base, the, about the only social media site I go on on the weekends is YouTube, and that's just because I'm listening to old live streams that uh, I, that are on way too late in the night for me to, to actually catch live, and they run far too long. Um, and they're usually on while I'm playing video games. So, uh, But it, it's just kind of that... It is kind of a consequence to social media, and even if you're just, you know, just trying to go through your Facebook feed inevitably somebody on there is going to be intentionally or innocuously going to just reveal something and not realize. Um, I mean, I did it secondhand to Pat um, when force awakens came out because it, it happened. I was looking at an article that was completely not even related to star Wars. It was an interview with Quentin Tarantino about uh, doing an R rated star Trek film. And, uh, and I was kind of like looking in the comments and stuff and someone posted pictures of, you know, what happens to Han Solo. And I was scheduled, like I had my tickets and everything to see it that night. And I, I was like trying to convince myself that that was fake and everything. And of course, then the moment happened and uh, I was, you know, talking to Pat over, uh, over chat. And I just said it like, just to not even thinking. And I said it if assuming he had kind of already seen the movie. And then he was like, wait, what? And I was like, Oh my God, I can't like, I, I don't like doing that. And that's why we try to always announce if we're going to kind of talk spoilers before we do. So that way, uh, you know, people are kind of, like I said, forewarned is forearmed and they don't have something that's ruined for them, um, beforehand. And like the nice thing with us doing this as a, you know, an episode by episode basis is, our our spoilers are more kind of just our theorizing about what's going to happen next or where we think this is going to go and not anything until like we watch that next episode or we get to the end of the season and see if those theories are validated. Uh, and there's a few of those theories in this episode. And so instead of us pontificating beforehand, let's just dive into it. Um, so this we start with John Walker. Yes. Yeah, so well, this, this, that's right where it picks up pretty much. It's uh, we're in Germany still and uh, Walker and uh, Battlestar are basically raiding the uh, Flag Smasher safe house. Um, 
that we saw in the previous episode. Uh, and this again, like th- his interactions here, his uh, temper, um, his kind of divisiveness is still what leads me to think that he is somehow has some connection to this either splinter cell or this flag smasher group. I, I don't know. Like, I feel like he's connected to something. Yeah. But I don't know if the temper was just a thing. Like he was trying to intimidate the guy because his buddy Battlestar, what's his name? Lamar. Yeah. Didn't react like this was out of character. So I don't know if that's, he's used to him having a temper like that, or it's because he knows what he's doing. Because I feel like when the guy spit on him, and he's like, you know what, like, he's trying to, like, I'm a symbol, and or trying to, like, really intimidate the guy to get him to, like, give up some information, and it's just not going to work. But the people around him didn't react like that was weird. So I still feel like he's doing something shady, but I don't know if that particular thing was him showing his actual temper or not. Well, and that's the clever way that they're going about this, because if it if it, it's it's played in a way where it could be either one, you know, and we'll get that reveal by the end of the season, I would assume. And like it's it's kind of nice to, to kind of plant it in there, even if it's a red herring. It's like it's it opens that speculation. It has people mm-hmm. talking about the character, about his motivations. What is he doing? Because, uh, you know, Langley gets mentioned and um you know, we can assume that the people that had tracked them down to the airplane in the in the end of the last episode were Langley or CIA, uh, the CIA. Um, and so we we just we don't know. But there's enough room in in the interpretation of what he's saying to him. And, you know, my kind of opinion on what Battlestar like not really having any reaction is there. I think it's on a two front factor. It's he's involved with it as well. So there's really no reason for him to necessarily try to calm Walker down or he's also a squad mate, you know, and they back each other up. And unless it's something that's like really egregious, uh, they're probably not going to do anything (laughs) until he like, he does cross that line. Until he takes the shield and he starts trying to take the guy's head off. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which it almost felt like we were going to get a moment like that, like that, that rage, like we said, that veneer is kind of breaking, uh, you know, that image of him being the good soldier boy. I think it's, it's not, maybe it's not what he expected it to be. Right. He was already kind of complaining. Was that his wife or his girlfriend? His wife. It was like meetings and shaking hands and kissing babies or whatever. And he, I think he's feeling some frustration with it because it's it's other stuff. But then when he's trying to do something that he wants to do, that he feels like I'm doing good, it's like that guy. I, I don't care. But he's like, I have the symbol. It should mean something to you. And that guy doesn't care. You know right. I mean? And and I'm not even saying that like the anger is necessarily coming from a place of malicious intent, but it could also be related to like PTSD or anything related to his service. And, and that it's, it's, that's what's trying to break through is, uh, you know, he's tried to keep that beast down and it's, it's, it's crumbling out. And that beast may have been what made him such a good soldier. Um, so it's definitely, there's a lot of internal struggle going on with this character. Um, my, my major concern is we only have three episodes left. Yeah. Um, I, I think that they'll all probably still be about the 50 minute mark. I don't think they're going to do like a 20 minute or a 30, 
maybe the final episode, maybe being about a 30 minute, if it's just kind of wrapping things up. Um, but I'm concerned that we're not going to get enough, uh, to really explore him in that, in that manner. And that's kind of my next complaint. I was also with Carly and the flag smashers. Um, cause like they're still on the run there. I had to, I had to research this cause I didn't know if they were trying to introduce, uh, kind of Latveria. Um, cause I, I, Latvia and Latveria are very close. And I was like, Ooh, I was like, I got to remember, is he from Latvia or Latveria? And it's he's Dr. Doom is from Latveria, but it kind of would have been cool, uh, if we'd gotten Latveria instead of Latvia. But, um, and this is kind of maybe jumping a little bit ahead or it's still kind of running in line. I know we haven't talked about Bucky and Sam yet, but, um, Carly's motivations, like we, we don't, we don't know what these, what this group or what the flag smashers are really trying to do. Um, we do get that kind of, uh, um, uh, global repatriation, uh, whatever commission or council, we get that kind of commercial to kind of give us the, what the veneer of what they're good trying to do, you know, for the world and for everyone coming back. But obviously, uh, it's not working out or people are struggling, uh, or they're in their kind of FEMA camps because they have no place to go or there's no, you know, not necessarily free room. Like we talked about it. Um, like with people who, whose houses were left empty because they were blipped. And if someone bought that house in that five years, like what happens to that displaced family? Uh, do they get the house back or do they now have to go on assisted living somewhere until they can find a place? Uh, and that seems to kind of be what, what they're about. But I, I still want to kind of know what role they're going to play in this. Um, so I'm really hoping in these final three episodes, we get more of a motivation, more of an understanding about why Carly is doing this. And if she is a splinter cell, what happened from, you know, for her to break off from the main group. Uh, and I'm just concerned that we're not going to have enough time uh, to explore those. Yeah, that's, that is my biggest concern. Like we were talking beforehand is that because this show is only supposed to be about six episodes Yeah, that they're not moving a little bit quick enough. Like, I don't want them to have to really speed up the story or whatever, but you've only got three more episodes and you've got a lot to give me. Right. I'm sure it can be done. We've seen it done before, but it's my concern right now is that you've only got three episodes to give me a lot. Because like you said, if, if this little, her little group is part, you know, separate from the big flag smashers group, they have, they really haven't given us enough on the big group let alone her little splinter group and what they're doing. And like I said before we were recording, I'm not sure if they're thinking, well, it's so simple that they're just not fleshing it out enough that it's literally just we our lives were better and now they're worse again. Like, and it's just that simple, but they're not, like, like they've not done any showing of, right. you know, of, of flashback or, or anything, especially for her in particular being the leader of the group. Right. Yeah. They, that, that's kind of my thing. And, and again, going back to kind of what we were talking about before recording, um, because they try to empathize Carly a little bit in this episode, but I don't know enough about her to like even have felt like any type of hate necessarily, or have any kind of strong feelings or attachments towards her, whether she's 
oh yeah, she's definitely a bad guy or, or she's a kind of like a ghost from Ant-Man and the Wasp where like, she's a villain because she has to be to try to mm-hmm. like live uh, because her life literally depends on her getting those, you know, quantum um, particles and stuff like that. Um, that they haven't done that enough. And then they introduce her mother and her mother's dying from tuberculosis and it's like near the end. And that's supposed to be a very heightened emotional scene. And you're supposed to be like, Oh, like this humanizes her. This makes me feel a little sorry or a little empathy for her, but they haven't done enough with her. Um, and in fact, I probably would have been fine if we didn't have the whole flag smasher arc in this episode, because getting kind of back on track, um, this episode, what it did best and what it needed to do best with the particular character is what this episode did. Reintroducing Zemo, um, the, the, the breakout, uh, that was a great scene. it was fantastic, very well done. And what I also liked about it, cause you get this a lot in MCU's done it. Other movies have done it where you have the people talking about the plan and then you get like a little bit of snippets of the plan and then it, but then you still go back and you show the whole thing. This didn't do it. It just had Bucky and Sam having that conversation and Sam being, uh, uh-uh, we ain't doing this shit. And Bucky's like, uh, well, and, and Zemo just shows up, you know, and it's it's it was a very nice way to do it without bogging down the story and, and spending unnecessary time showing the whole breakout scene. Now, I don't know if you noticed this, but it caught my eye and it really bugged me. The prisoner that attacks the guy he's playing chess with has a tramp stamp. Yes, I would. It wasn't like I was intentionally trying to look, but his shirt lifts up as he's jumping over and there's a big tattoo on the back on the small of his back. And I'm like, huh, that's weird. (laughs) Hey, you know, whatever floats your boat. Um, But yes, that was a very clever way to do it. And I also liked um, kind of fixing some things that they did a little bit wrong with Zemo in Civil War. And I don't have a whole lot of criticisms of civil war, but I didn't feel like they handled the character of Zemo that well. Um, but they introduced to the fact that he's a baron and that, you know, he has means and money and they had, they kind of done that in civil war and like ex- explain that he wasn't just spe- Sokovian special forces. It would make sense that how he would have had the means to to do what he did in civil war, because that was always something that bothered me. It's like, okay, I get his special forces, but he would need money. He would need financing. And if he's just a Sokovian soldier, we saw Sokovia in age of Ultron. It wasn't like it was a wealthy country or anything like that. Um, And then of course, introducing the mask now mild, not really spoilers, but, but more kind of referring to the comic books what I really would have liked to happen is while they were in that like makeshift lab that the chemicals that caused the mass to stick on him uh, permanently in the comics would have happened in this episode, like oh, in that. In yeah. Like in that particular scene, because then it would have been, I thought, really cool because he looked great in the mask, uh, but it's only on for like a couple seconds. But at least they brought it there, you know, um, yeah, well, yeah, they have it, so, right. You know. Yeah, it's always something they can explore further. But uh, then we get to basically Madripoor, which is, if you're not familiar with the comic books, uh, is 
basically the place where all the bad stuff goes down. <laughs> Illegal arms deals, everything. Uh, in fact, like some people were pointing out the fact that uh, it has, you know, references to, to Wolverine and kind of his one of his arcs taking place in Madripoor. Um, and I really liked how Madripoor looked. Uh, it looked distinct. It looked, uh, you know, different from anything else we've seen. So it has its own kind of character. Uh, but I'll, I'll turn it over for you to a little bit to, to kind of talk about maybe stuff I might have jumped over there a little bit. Uh-oh, you didn't give me enough time. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... Um, no, I liked... Well, if we're going back to, like, that explosion, I feel like that's jumping ahead, though. Mm-hmm. But... Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about necessarily going straight to that explosion, but that was just a theory I had. But now kind of going back to maybe the, you know, they're Bucky and Sam talking. I like like the three of them and they're walking in to that bar wherever they're at. Yes. You know, and I'm wondering, I'm like, come on, Zemo. Like, how much did you give um, Sam to work with here? Because he's just standing there. Like, you didn't give him any background of, like, how this guy should act. No, you just look like Smiling Tiger. Yeah, it's just like, just stand there and don't say anything. Like, I feel like he could have given him a little background, but obviously Bucky did a really good job being a soldier. Like, um, I was watching um, Blind Wave react because I like to try and, like like I said, watch um, other reactors afterwards. And one of them made a comment about, oh, no, everybody's recording. His therapist is going to see this. (laughs) (laughs) That was something that that did kind of cross my mind, too, was like, oh boy, like now, you know, we had that one little hiccup in Germany. Now he's going on this and like, there's not going to be anyone that's going to necessarily be able to bail him out this time. Yeah. I, 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 well, especially because they're there. They are with Zemo and everybody's recording it. I'm sure there'll be something come up for it somehow, especially with Walker and Lamar being like, kind of figuring out that they let him out. Right. Not that they, they didn't like go in there and actually break him out themselves, but well, and we also, cause, uh, on there, when they get on the plane, um, you know, Zemo had sneaked the notebook out and, um, you know, was like, Oh, the list of names and who's this blah, 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 blah. But like we, we got to see kind of more of the internal struggle that Bucky is having right now because he thinks he's passed being the winter soldier like that he's moved on he's 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 trying to make those uh, amends and everything but zemo and zemo doing what zemo does in this episode to kind of you know yes they're putting on a facade that he, he's still the winter soldier but he's making bucky go back to that and is that a dangerous slope it's like you know if you're an alcoholic and you've been you're sober for for like 12 months and then someone offers you a drink like that temptation or, yeah, I'll just have a sip. You know, it does it then lead to going and falling off that wagon. Um, and it, you can see that struggle with Bucky. Like, I really like Sebastian Stan and I think he does such a wonderful job with this character. Um, yeah, I, I would not have been willing to drink a drink with whatever snake gland that was. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if some sort of gland, is it a venom sack, is it an egg? Like, I don't know. But uh, that would not have, that wouldn't have happened. No, no. Um, and then we kind of get introduced to, you know, basically this whole point of going to Madripoor is researching or trying to figure out who how they have the uh, super soldier serum. 
Uh, we get, you know, I can't remember the character's name. Um, um Selby? Yes, yeah, Selby. Um, you know, and, and, uh, they just do that kind of whole explanation of, about a scientist and blah, 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 blah. But also, um, jumping back a little bit, you know, as they entered in, we get kind of a person who recognizes them and she pulls her hood, you know, definitely over her head and walks out. Um, so that's, you know, very foreshadowing and ominous about maybe events that's going to go on later. Uh, but we also get introduced, even though we don't know who this character is, but the power broker. Um, and I'm really intrigued to see if we are going to actually find out who this power broker is. Um, yeah. I feel like that might be someone from the comics. I'm not 100 percent sure. I mean, it's a name that sounds straight from the comics, so it you know wouldn't be surprised. But they really built that that uh, mystery up, you know, that that's yeah, this. And it's definitely one of those where like, I don't want to go look for it because right. I don't want to ruin the story for e myself. Exactly. And I mean, not that they would necessarily translate it 100% from the comics, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily want to do the research as well uh, because I, I kind of want to find it out organically. And, um, but you know, they have their conversation, but Sam gets an unfortunate phone call. <laughs> Wouldn't you turn your phone off? I mean, this is this is nitpicking. It's not really a criticism. It's just commenting on the situation. But you're going into it like basically an arms deal country that has no extradition, no real laws or anything like that. You, wouldn't you turn your cell phone off? Facepalm moment. Yeah. Like, if Zemo had done the Picard facepalm, you know, like I would have been like chef's kiss. Perfect, you know? because, yeah, definitely you try to vibrate or so well i guess it was on vibrate but i don't know that was really like really come on man <laughs> yeah i i and i th I think i would have tried to have found a better explanation be like oh it's just so and so or or yeah, now i can get this later well the immediate reaction to sam i guess because when sarah when his sister said his name yeah and that immediate you're not him i'm like how do you know that well, like, I guess do you know his name or something because you said it was the first time you've met him. Like, oh yeah, that's true. You know, she hadn't seen him before either, so I'm like, how would you know? I mean, like, he couldn't he have just played it off like, yeah, that girl of mine, you know, some sort of thing. Like, if she calls me this, or you know, they could have played it off, but they were like immediately shoot him in the face. Right. So yeah. To me, that felt very plot devicey. Yeah, it, it did. It did. Um, now. I, I do remember like when Zemo's telling him, you know, why he's dressed the way he's dressed. Cause like Sam makes the bad joke about like being a pimp or whatever, um, that like he did say the name and then cause the name was like AKA smiling tiger. So unless like Selby knows him also by his actual name. Um, but even then it could be like, Oh, it's just, she just knows me by Sam, you know, like, I'm sure he would have been able to improvise in that situation if like, she didn't I, immediately I react that way. Know. Like, because in my head, I'm thinking maybe because I'm not a paranoid criminal. But <laughs> if somebody like randomly like walked up to you and called you by a different name, I would think, well, that's weird. But I'd be wondering like why they know you by a different name than I do. You know? Right. Right. It's sort of like uh, back to the expanse, like Amos versus Timothy, like nobody was immediately like, let's shoot him in the head, or you know. <laughs> like, Melba's just curious, like, why you call him Timothy when I know him as Amos? You know, it's just sort of like, that's weird. So I guess when you're a paranoid criminal, 
you absolutely can't have any other code names or pet names or anything that anybody else knows you by ever. Not that, one. Who who knows? I mean, at, well, to kind of go back to Justified, I don't know. There was a character that was living under, basically hiding under a completely different name for 30 plus years. So who, who knows? Um, but yes, and, and this it felt like it ex- escalated too quickly and it resolved too quickly. So like, because immediately as soon as they're like, oh, yes, kill them all. Selby gets BTFO'd by a sniper shot and like the rest of them, of course, they take out the, the rest of the guards. But then it's like, OK, we need to get out of here, leave the guns, which didn't make sense to me at all. It's well, like, I thought he like had a plan. Like, I thought he was going to do something that I was going to be impressed with. <laughs> I didn't know that they were just going to like literally walk out and straight down the highway. Like, yeah, it, that was a weird cut because it's like they're in the room. I assumed like maybe something to the effect of like he would have played it off like, oh, now I'm the person, you know, like he was taking the leadership of whatever she was doing because it would have fit for like an ulterior motive for him, Uh, uh, you know, like outside of just. Yeah, I mean, I've got these. We know he's got something else, obviously, I think planned, but um you you would have thought that he would have maybe been like, no, I will take over this kingpin. Like it was my goal all along to just knock her off. But then, you know, they go well, from either that or I thought they might just like stand there and surrender. Like, we don't know what happened either. And just kind of like somehow play it off that way and try and convince them that like, you know, wasn't us. <laughs> right. Well, and then it goes immediately. Hey, leave the guns here. And then they're outside. Like it doesn't yeah. show them leaving. Cause wouldn't you think like, I mean, you can't tell me gun that gunshot wasn't heard. And like, how do you get out of that club? You know, even knowing that the guy down at the bar knows, you know, has a direct line to Selby and everything. It just goes straight to them being out there and then getting chased and then getting saved by Sharon Carter. Um, she was our mysterious hooded figure. And we knew she had to be introduced here soon. So it's not like it was a big, big surprise. Uh, Because I wouldn't have thought they would have brought back Emily Van Camp to be like, oh, yeah, you're going to be in two episodes or one episode, you know. Um, But my my biggest thing about the introduction of Sharon Carter in this in this episode, um, even though I know you and I are going to probably have about the same criticism uh, of what happens a little bit after after this. um, They finally kind of gave her character justice. I understand with her introduction into like winter soldier, um, it was an intro. So like, I wasn't expecting too much of like character fleshing or background or anything like that. Um, just kind of introducing her and, you know, nods to maybe being related to Peggy and everything. Um, and you know, her code name of like agent 13 and stuff like that. Uh, but I expected more out of Civil War and they gave us a little bit of it. Like they started that budding relationship with her and Steve. Uh, but ultimately, she didn't play a huge role in in the movie itself, other than getting the shield and, and the wings. Uh, and then she's basically sidelined the rest of the movie and then, you know, doesn't really ever appear uh, appear again uh, ex- outside of a still shot of showing, you know, who's been blipped. Um so I was really dis- kind of disappointed with that. Uh, but this got to show her be the badass that she is from the comics and, and kind of do some of that justice. Um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? 
I like well, like I said before we started recording, I was we knew she was going to show up. I I wasn't like a hundred percent woohoo impressed, and I wasn't like a hundred percent. I'm so annoyed that you're here. I was just kind of meh. Yeah. With with her throughout the episode, I was more interested, like I said, her ending when she goes off screen, which then made me more interested for everything else that just happened and want to go back and rewatch it. Because throughout the episode, I this is where it felt to me like we kind of hit the brakes a little bit. Because, yeah. Like you said, we had the action and then it was over. And then we kind of had blah, 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 while they're, let's find out more stuff and get to the guy, the doctor, whatever his name was, in the shipping mm. container. And then we had Wuha, more action. Now, her one shot with the fight scenes was really cool. Yes. And really good. Like, I liked that. But other than that, like I said, until we got to her leaving, and then I was like, oh, okay, now I'm much more interested in what you're doing here. Because I... Not, not that her story didn't make sense to me or, or that she's still um, considered on the run and doesn't have a partner or anything like that, but it just kind of felt, meh. Yeah. I, I don't know. It almost felt like one too many cookies in the jar because, like, now we got Zemo and, and, you know, we have John Walker and Lamar and we have all these – it almost kind of felt like, all right, there's one too many – got to push the quarter off the edge, you know? Like one, one too many um, characters for us to care about right now and storylines going on. Yeah, so um, to kind of build off on, on what you're saying there, because uh, I, I, for the most part, agree with you. Like, I think her, her best scenes are her introduction scene uh, and then basically the final scene with, with uh, her action sequence. And it's not anything with the actress. Cause I actually, I really like Emily Van Camp and I think she does a really good job with the material. It's what falls in between that. Um, her kind of animosity towards Sam, uh, and the fact that, you know, well, Hey, you got to come back and you know, you got to, to basically go back to your normal life. I'm still considered a criminal. So here I set up, like I, it makes sense to maybe go to Madripoor where there's no extradition. There's no real, like legal system and you, you know, it's the wild west, but then to her develop this like crime ring of, you know, stealing the paintings and then selling them. Like it it felt like they were maybe setting her to be the power broker, which then would have made more sense of like why she would have maybe, you know, knocked Selby out of the picture and stuff like that. And been right where she needed to be to save them on the street, which is another thing that doesn't make complete sense because they weren't like close to the club. So like, how would she have gone from her vantage point to take out Selby to that building and then, mm-hmm. you know, pick that right building to be in, uh, to basically save them. But I, the whole party scene, like while it's amusing, um, uh, more so in the sense of like Zemo kind of trying to dance a little bit in the party <laughs> scene, it, it felt out of place. Like it didn't feel like it was needed. It didn't contribute anything to the story. Uh, and I just don't like this idea of like, just because she was wronged by the government for taking the actions she took and then, you know, being blipped and then being brought back and not having pardon or anything, she would just automatically resort to crime. Like, I understand she's got to, you know, make a living and everything, but like, it just doesn't feel consistent with her character from what we've seen in the movies and obviously what we know from the comic books. And, uh, it would make sense that like she would be in hiding in Madripoor, but not doing this because it feels to me like her doing this would put her on more of a radar than, yeah. than staying low and trying to stay out of jail in the States. Yeah. So this is the whole part that, um, 
has I, I, like a theory for me of like I think she's still part of the CIA, which could very well be. Um, and when we know CIA, CIA is involved in this in some in some aspect with you know mm-hmm. going after the flag smashers, and I that's I would lean towards that too. I would lean that she's more. Because uh, I think that was my speculation even before we got to see her and maybe even before, like uh, back in episode one, that I figure she's in deep cover or something. Um, and it would make sense to be deep cover in Madripoor, you know, build that criminal you know thing up, you know, be able to then take it all down at whatever point, you know, once it reaches that, that point of taking it too far uh, and, and building that case. So. And it could explain why she knew which buildings to be in. If she's got surveillance people and they're talking in her ear, like, okay, go here, turn left. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I mean, it could even be that that wasn't even her that took out Selby. It was, you know, maybe another CIA, CIA sniper or something like that. Um, and that's what we're like. That's what we're talking about here is they're they're They've got all of these, like you said, like cookies in the jar, but do we have enough time to, concisely and uh satisfactorily wrap everything up because it's 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 my worry that's not especially if if you're not planning these to be multi-seasonal um which like again you and i have said we we don't care really either way um we, like we wouldn't mind it if we got another season of falcon and winter soldier or like maybe if they view WandaVision as season one and then Falcon and Winter Soldier season two or something like that. But if you're going to introduce these concepts and these and these characters and, and these plot lines and these threads, as much as you're giving it an hour runtime, you still only have that hour and you only have six episodes. And so you need to make sure that you're not going to because even I mean, the movies have done this and I mean, they they get more of a pass because it's a movie and you get different writers and different directors and they decide they want to take it in this way or that way. I'm looking at you, uh, Last Jedi. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so it's a, it's a little bit more lenient in that sense. But when you have a show, you have it planned out. You have OK, we've got six episodes. We've got an hour piece. This is the story. This is the concepts. This is what we want to reveal with. This is how we're going to wrap it up. So hopefully they've been, you know, had the foresight to be like, yes, we're introducing a lot of threads here, but either this is going to pan out to its own movie or this is uh, this is going to get wrapped up in episode five. And then the next thing will be wrapped up in episode six. So I just hope that they have that forethought, like as much as we praise Feige for having that forethinking, he's still ultimately held down by whatever the writers decide to do. Like, you know, it's not like he's just necessarily going to nap, nope, throw that episode out, throw that episode out or throw that concept out. Um, He's more looking at that, that bigger Bigger picture picture rather than the micro. And so he's still kind of to the whims of what those writers do or what they failed to do. Um, so hopefully they do wrap those things up and, and ultimately with the rest of this episode, there's not much. I mean, we've already kind of hit on kind of how it ends uh, to kind of go back to the, the Carly thing. Like the, again, this is where I don't know what to think about her because, okay, you kind of built her up as maybe being like, Oh, we're stealing vaccines to help, you know, people out. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they even called her Robin hood at at that, uh, in episode two. Um, but then, you know, they go and they raid that, that camp, that GRC camp. 
and they're like, and she makes a good point. You've had these food stocks for six months and you're not even giving them out to people. Uh, but then she blows the building up, killing the, the guards that they had just, you know, they pacified. They had them all locked up. They weren't going to be able to stop them. But then she kills them. And obviously to the dismay of her, one of her crew members, because even he's like, wait, what? You know, and so I don't know what they're trying to do with her. And that's ultimately kind of the it's it's the reverse with what they did with that actress in Solo. Like they they you know, they made her to be the villain. But then, you know, when you reveal her motivations, you're like, well, so there was no villain in this. You're like, okay, you know, it's almost the same thing. I'm stealing these resources to help other people, but now I'm starting to kill people, you know, those maybe some of the parts that we felt like were too slow could have been maybe a flashback to her and her mom, right. Or something to explain because her mom had that, what was it? A bookmark or something that also had the hand on a globe. Yeah. So I I was like, did the symbol come from that? Whatever that was. And is that some sort of religious thing or or whatever it was? Or did she have that like after they already used the symbol? Because I feel like the symbol came from whatever that thing. Yes. I, that that symbol looked really familiar to me and I can't think if it was if it's actually from like anything from real life or from the comics. No, cuz in my head I, the only thing that kept coming to me in my mind was like some sort of tarot card. Yeah, yeah. Um but it 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 did it did look familiar but I'm under the inclination like the inspiration for it the flag smasher symbol is from that like that her, we needed we needed that fleshed out right and like we we you know kind of her mother's sickness is maybe her primary motivation for why this group started or whatever uh but that's almost where i would be like okay you could have taken out all of the flag smasher stuff and maybe moved it to the next episode and focused the next episode maybe not even on bucky and sam even though the, it's it you know the show is the falcon and winter soldier but done done a whole almost a whole episode of kind of like with what they did in wandavision where they did everything from uh monica's perspective uh you know and and that's how we were able to understand more of what was going on in the outside world outside of westview is is take that that thankfully you know they had nine episodes so they had a little bit more wiggle room to be like okay we're gonna take an episode that literally is like uh you know a break episode and fill things in for us and we're we're missing that right now like we get a lot of revelations we get a lot of uh great character moments and and the story is still being propelled but there are things that are lacking and, and they do have only a short amount of time to, to adequately fill us in on everything else. Like we know they know, but we don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then, uh, you know, the doctor tells them, you know, his reasoning for it. Like he, you know, basically it's because of Isaiah that they had oh. samples and then he had been working on it and then he got blipped and then I he have came. a lot of thoughts on that that have nothing to do with the review, but on a oh. um, role play group I used to be part of. So <laughs> we could just, that would be a whole tangent. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll maybe get to that as, uh, as a special epilogue to the episode. <laughs> um, but the, the, the thing being, you know, you know, explaining how it was created or, or that he was, you know, able to do what like Erskine, you know, what no one other than Erskine could do. Um, 
and maybe have a little bit different variation to the formula than, than Erskine's original formula. Um, you know, kind of in the reference, like they didn't need the Vita Ray machine or anything like that. Um, and that it basically, it doesn't necessarily make your body look like Chris Evans body. It just, but it still enhances your muscles and stuff. I'm sorry. I would still like the original version. <laughs> <laughs> I would like the, the perfect looking body without any exercise whatsoever. Thank you. <laughs> well, well, you know, maybe the COVID vaccine, uh, will do that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, it's it, it's just um, there there are just things that they need to explore, but uh, that they that they didn't do. And I think with what they did with this doctor, like gave us the adequate answers we needed to know about how the soldier super soldier serum is still in existence, because um, that was one thing I brought up. I know in the last episode review was, well, wait a minute, like we thought that Zemo, you know, destroyed it all and. You know, they only had those few, last few samples left. Uh, but the fact that they, you know, have Isaiah's blood work and he was able to kind of reverse engineer it from it, does, you know, gives it good, adequate sense. And then it also makes sense why Zemo kills him, because his big goal was, well, super soldiers create Avengers and Avengers destroyed my country and my family. And so, like, all of that made 100 percent sense, too. And you got a really cool action scene there. Um, and then we end up. uh, uh Oh God! What country do we end up in? Um, are they in Latvia at the yeah, end? I think, yeah, that's where they okay. to Latvia. Uh, you know, they're they're following their leads, and uh, Zemo and Sam are you know going off, and Bucky's like, hey. Um, well, and before that, that's when um, um, Agent Thirteen yeah went off with that woman in a car, right? And that's that was the instant when I thought she's still part of something. And she's either part of this, she's the power broker, or she's still part of the CIA somehow. Right, yes. And and I'm I'm hoping that we still have her in the next three episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh or at least two. You know, maybe maybe take a break from one. But um I don't want them to just be like, Yeah, she's a one and done. We we satisfied that, you know, kind of fan call for her character to come back. Uh, and I think it would be disingenuous to Emily um, to to just be like, yeah, you're here and now, now you're gone and you can go back to obscurity yeah. and everything like that. Um, but, uh, you know, Bucky catches eye on some tech, follows it back uh, to a back alley and we get now. I know you had some confusion on this um, a, yeah. a little bit, but it's understandable because, uh, you know, I had some issues, too. Uh, but it's the original Wakandan guard from Civil War who is basically telling, you know, Black Widow, like, move or you will be moved. And um, my at the time and even like as we were before we were recording and looking it up on IMDb, I thought like they replaced that actress with Denai Guerra from uh, The Walking Dead, um, who played, I, th- I think her whatever her name is, Oloye or whatever in, in to replace that particular character. Yes. Uh, cause yeah. it, cause it, since black Panther took over, you know, took like right after civil war and he's traveling back with her. Like it just made sense that that was the same, uh, you know, character, just not the same actress, but this, this, uh, character and actress has actually been in infinity war and black Panther as well. Um, and so like, I recognized her as soon as she showed up on the screen and realized, okay, it's the same bodyguard. Uh, so I, and Bucky knows she's after Zemo. 
um, which would make sense because of T'Chaka. Yeah, yeah, that's too. Well, and it may, I mean, it's because of T'Chaka. So, you know, it, it's, it's a really good cliffhanger to end the episode on. Um, and, but again, it could be introducing one too many things. Um, yeah, that's where it's like too many. Right. Because going to fall off the edge or not get taken care of. Because we, I mean, we're, we're here at the halfway mark and Sam still doesn't have the shield. We, uh-huh. we don't know Walker's true motivations. Not that I want to know his motivations right now. I like this mystery they're building up with Walker. Um, but... I almost wonder, just like complete total speculation, because I know nothing. Again, like <laughs> I said, if anybody who's like super comic book fan and like recognizes stuff, Again, I'm not researching because I don't want to ruin story for myself, but I'm almost wondering if somehow John Walker is going to get blown up and killed and then Sam is going to get the shield. Like, it's not going to be like we're taking it from him or anything like that. He's going to have some sort of tenuous, I almost crossed the line and then he dies sort of kind of redeeming himself Boromir-like and then Sam will get the shield. It's possible. I mean, it's, that's, that, see, and that's, that's our concern here, right? Like we've got these three episodes left. So hypothetically we have three hours left. Mm-hmm. Will they be able to do everything satisfactorily? You know, will we get Walker's storyline wrapped up? Well, will we get Sam's story and Bucky's story? You know, cause and we still, Isaiah. <laughs> and Isaiah, like I don't want Isaiah to be a one and done either. Uh, I wouldn't even mind like us getting like just a, a, a one-off spin-off show of like seeing his adventures in, in the Korean war and stuff like f- understanding his struggle and what, what it was like for him to be captain America. But obviously it wasn't the glitz and glamor and glory that Steve had mm-hmm. just 10 years prior in, in, uh, in world war two. So, uh, you know, that's, that's something I would love them to explore more. Cause you, you throw that out there and you're like, and it's like, Oh, that's really cool. But I don't want it to go away. Much like with Sharon, like I don't want her this just to be her only episode. And then they just like, yeah, we don't care about her anymore. Um, and, and Zemo, you know, we got to wrap up stuff with Zemo and what maybe master plan he might have. Uh, now the Wakandans are here. Yeah. We got Wakandans involved. We got, Sarah's loan with the bank stuff <laughs> and the boat, you know, so we, we got a lot of plot points that we need to wrap up. And I, I, I just hope we can do it in uh, three, hours. three, three hours. Because yeah. if we can't, then it, it, it's not going to work out well. Uh, and, it, and it could ultimately hurt hurt the show so far, even though, you know, we've we've brought up these points and we've been critical about stuff it's still been a good show. It's still been another good entry into the uh, cinematic TV universe, I guess, or whatever is mad. It's, it's still the I MCU, still but, yeah. but, uh, cause I know like Feige's looking at these, not necessarily as TV shows, but like six hour movies. Uh, yeah. so basically a whole bunch of Snyder cuts, um, <laughs> essentially. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, it, I just hope that, uh, things will be wrapped up. It will be done concisely. And again, satisfactorily because I, I don't want this to be the, the chink in the armor, like cause WandaVision worked out so well, set up so many great things and it, and it had all of its great connections and ties and Easter eggs. And so far this has two, but 
that story still makes me like at least with WandaVision and that kind of reality bending like that led for us to more like I guess maybe leniency in the story because we knew like things were going to have to unravel this was going to have ramifications and an impact a greater scale but this we don't know it feels almost in a bubble in a sense like that it hasn't acknowledged the events of WandaVision at all uh you know outside of basically any character that's been involved with the Captain America movies nothing else has been really referenced not really like a whole lot of Stark references or uh you know banner any banner or Thor references you know not even a whole other than like the fact that the flag smashers are trying to go back to the blip kind of way of life nothing about Thanos really nothing about that that big fight hardly even a whole lot to deal with Steve like we we uh, Steve's name gets thrown around but yeah. ultimately it's not really dealt with or, or felt really connected. Like I said, I, it would be great if we just get a one scene cameo of old Steve, like at the end, at the end, well, even, even if they connect to something in like an end credit scene in the last episode, yeah, I think would at least be enough to be like, okay, we do recognize we exist in the same universe as this other thing, because the one thing I don't want the MCU to do is to start doing kind of like what the DC does really well is having all the different earths in the multiverse. I, even though I think Marvel was at the the multiverse of madness or whatever with Dr. Strange. But when I think of multiverse on my mind automatically thinks DC because I've always associated with them and thought they did it really well. Like, and I get it. Right. You know, like I, I'm 100% I get it that you know this is that Superman and this is Earth whatever Superman and this is you know and like and I'm there for it but the MCU has been presenting this to us as one connected universe and I want it to kind of continue that way right and I mean I do know that they dropped the Nexus thing in WandaVision like she's a Nexus character she's the same person in every universe but I don't want it to to suddenly be like, well, this happened for Sam and Bucky in this universe, and this happened for that. I don't want them to start doing that, right? Like, without automatically like saying, you know, like like they need to, some sort of flashpoint, you know, or something. <laughs> because I don't want them to to take the stories that they're giving us here and automatically start breaking them apart. Like, no, these are all connected until you have something that, like, until the Doctor Strange movie comes out, and then they can break apart or something. Right, but. But you haven't gotten to that point yet. Well, and see, um, the multiverse for like Marvel has always worked vastly different than DC, which is not a criticism. I I, I like that it's not the same way. Whereas there like the multiverse of, of the Marvel universe, you know, you have the six one six and and technically the the movies are the movie version of the six one six. Um, but like they they aren't aware of each other. Mm-hmm. Like there's no cognizant awareness of oh there's a Bucky and Sam on this earth and then there's a Bucky and Sam on that earth or there's not a Bucky or there isn't a Sam Um, and they couldn't necessarily travel in between like you never had a mixing Um, so that's why you had kind of the Ultimates universe when Brian Michael Bendis was kind of doing his 2000s revamped Marvel um, continuity uh, while they were still doing their mainline Marvel 616 stuff and then they didn't really kind of collide until they decided the ultimates line, like kind of needed to die out. Sales weren't doing well. 
And then they did basically, I think it was Cataclysm or whatever, which then really only took like miles, like was the only survivor of the Ultimates universe uh, and transplanted him over into the 616. Um, And DC has a better history with handling the multiverses. And like I've talked about in the DC fandom and, you know, the speculation with what they're going to do next with the Snyderverse or, or if they're going to do anything with the Snyderverse, um, that they, they, they've come to realize that they're, that they're fans of DC movies or DC comics or the DC shows can, you know, separate those, those, that, that, that earth's Superman is that Earth's Superman. And, I think they were just announcing that uh, the Matt Reeves Batman movie um, that's scheduled to come out later this year with Robert Pattinson is like their uh, Earth Two Batman uh, because I think that even though they've said no to like you know bringing back the Snyderverse DC or Warner Brothers has been making some interesting changes. Well, they by all means it's like shattered records for HBO max and, and it's been one of the most streamed titles and stuff like that, but they had a new gods movie, uh, in, in pre-production, they were going to develop, a, a trench spinoff for Aquaman with James Wan attached. And they just nixed both of those pro uh, projects just like today. Um, and I'm taking that as a sign of, okay, they're, they're trying to figure out how they can still incorporate the Snyder verse, uh, and how flashpoint for flash is going to work. Uh, cause ultimately that's their ultimate fixer tool, you know, regardless on whether you want a, a justice league two and three and have Zach finish that story or whatever, like that's the point of flashpoint for flash is it's going to kind of fix things up a little bit, you know, introduce that concept of the multiverse for the, the people who aren't aware of a multiverse. Although if you're not at this point, you're living under a rock. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's been such a cool concept and I, I don't want Marvel to just like start doing it. Like I like yeah. that they're doing kind of the multiverse of madness, but I, I or madness, whatever it, I, I can never I remember. Think I think that was right. Okay. Um, I, although I, I like that. That's what Dr. Strange two is going to be about. I don't even feel like that fits for Dr. Strange necessarily. Like, if anything, it needs to be Spider-Man and Spider-Verse. Um, you know, I've talked about this for ages and I've talked about it before they did, uh, you know, the Spider-Verse animated movie, which is fantastic. Um, that like, it would be really cool to have Tom Holland and Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield all on screen together and do that kind of live action Spider-Verse and give, um, in my idea, not that I'd have an actual story idea for it, but my idea of it would be basically to have Andrew Garfield be the one to like kind of sacrifice his life to, for whatever reason to save whatever, whatever needed to be saved so that his, you know, Spider-Man um, was kind of given his good send off. Like we had three movies with Toby kind of all wrapped up, even though they were going to plan on doing a fourth one, but he, he got a complete arc, even if his dancing in Spider-Man three is awful. <laughs> um, and emo Peter Parker is absolutely horrendous. Uh, but he got a complete arc. Like the, they, they finished that story that they started in Spider-Man. And, um, I think that Andrew Garfield's was like maligned a little bit and, 
and Sony kind of really caused problems with Amazing Spider-Man because I, well, I didn't think he was a good Peter Parker, but I thought he was a fantastic Spider-Man. Yeah, like, my opinion has been, like, Tom Holland is the first one that I felt like has been a good Peter Parker and a good Spider-Man. Yes, yes. Because before, I felt like we got one or the other, but not both. Like, I felt Tobey Maguire was more of a, 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 like, even though he was quippy, he played a better Peter Parker. And then I felt Andrew Garfield did the quippy as Spider-Man a lot better, Mm -hmm. uh, but didn't fit kind of a Peter Parker uh, aesthetic. And then Tom Holland, who I wasn't even necessarily like, yay, when they cast him or anything. But as soon as he walked on camera in uh, Civil War, I was like, yes, I'm in. This is Peter Parker. This is Spider-Man. Like, they got it. They got it perfectly. Um, so it'd be kind of, you know, nice to give Garfield his send off, even, you know, since he didn't get his third movie and they didn't, you know, move forward with those plans. But I, I don't want them to rely on that crutch of a multiverse. That's, I think, purely a DC thing. And, and it's uh, not a crutch for them. And it, no, it's not. It's, in fact, it's been a, a, like just a, a cleaning house tool for them several times. You know, they, yeah. you know, they get so rid of it, they, they bring it back, and. Doesn't need to try and, and do that too because I think it would be really. I mean, as much I don't know, it, I just don't want, like you said, I don't want there to be like, here's this Earth's Captain America and this Earth's Captain America and here's this Captain America. It's like I enjoy it with DC and I, I want such a nice separation between, um, you know, um, franchises. That's yeah, why when all those rumors were flying back that uh, Feige was going to get involved with Star Wars and all the actors were going to cross over to that. I was like, no, I want I want some delineation <laughs> on some lines between my franchises and I don't want all the same actors and all the same stuff. Right. And, um, oh, shoot, I, I just had something and I was, I, I just lost it in your, in your little Star Wars uh, <laughs> rant. Sorry. No, you're fine. I, 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 it was something to the effect of, of, uh, oh, I, I got it. Um, and that's the purpose of like the what if show, like that. Yeah, that's like that's what I, I like. Their what their concept of doing with what if is like what I want their kind of version of a multiverse kind of to be. Do it yeah, as an animated see. show. <laughs> have them come do their you know their voice voiceovers or whatever. Um. And I'm really like, I'm kind of excited, you know, because Chadwick Boseman, before he passed away, was able to still do uh, T'Challa's voice as Star-Lord for the what if, like he became a guardian of the galaxy. Um, And I'm just really excited for the when that show launches, because I know some people were like complaining that they're they're doing a what if if Peggy got the super soldier serum. They're like, I'm like. I want to kind of see that because like, like technically that could have been feasible. It's not like I think that they're trying to push push an agenda with that episode because it's literally a what if episode. Like it's what if she got it? You know, what if it wasn't Bucky or or, uh, Steve? Um, I mean, theoretically, it could be like, what if Red Skull won, you know, or something like that. So. What if I, mean, I how think? How many times has people done time travel and it's been what if Hitler won? <laughs> right. And now we're all in some sort of man in high castle universe. Right, and so like that's what I I think the what if show will be the purpose that I would want to see of like different characters and different aspects of what like that's their version of a multiverse. I I really kind of want to see uh, rather than them just relying on that and 
as much as like you want to people want to say, well, DC needs to copy Marvel or, you know, whatever. They don't need to copy each other. They just need to do what they each do best, because I do think that by trying to do the Marvel formula is what hurt DC. Yes. Like trying to do that because I, I'm, if they had done like, this is the justice league movie and they didn't bother to introduce you to the characters, whatever they just showed up. Like it wouldn't have been a problem for me. It might've been a problem for people who were, have no idea about the characters like at all, but I'm, I'm trying to think what's, is it called justice league animated series or whatever that? that yes. Cartoon? Yes. So I, I'm, I feel like the first time I watched that, I'm like, I don't, I don't have a deep relationship with any of these. I don't know, but I get introduced to everybody in that like first couple episodes. Yeah. And I didn't need anything more than that to be like, all right, I'm here and I'm in. Well, you and know? you know, even with that, sh- with that cartoon show, which is a fantastic animated series, and I, I don't know why I don't own it, um, but like all they had prior to that was Batman the animated series, Batman Beyond and Superman, the animated series. They didn't have a Wonder Woman cartoon. They didn't have a Flash cartoon. They didn't have a Green Lantern cartoon. They didn't have a Martian Manhunter cartoon. They didn't have a Hawkman cartoon. Any Everybody that we needed, enough information that we needed, brought them all together, bam. Yes. They could have literally done that, and I would have loved it. Well, and like that's, I think, what the Snyder Cut ultimately kind of did you know it 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 certainly did better than what we got with joss whedon like it there there were a whole swaths of this thing when i'm watching it and i'm like what you cut that and and then somebody did one on the color grading and i'm like dude why yeah (laughs) just looking at stuff and i'm like this is terrible what happened why right And it's, and that, again, that was like the studio inter- interference was like, nah, no one's going to want to sit through. Uh, at at that point, I think it was like a three and a half hour movie because he shot 30 minutes of extra footage for this release. Not see Lord of the Rings. Well, right. Like, uh, I, I saw a funny, uh, a funny thing um, on Facebook the other day. It was like, well, with the success of the of the Snyder Cut. Peter Jackson is releasing his Peter Jackson cut of Lord of the Rings and it will take eight days to watch all of it. And I'm like, people would, yeah, people would sit down and watch that for eight days, especially, especially if Tom Bombadil was introduced. Oh my God. He does everything in the part where they go for the barrel rights. And all yes. Of it from page one. I'm there. That's why that's yeah. why I had to uh, pre-order the illustrated uh, new illustrated copy of Lord of the Rings it was like it has all of. Well, I don't know how much of it's an, uh, illustrated, but it has all of his Tolkien's actual illustrations that he did for the book and in it. And like they I think in only prior versions, there was like maybe at most like three pages uh, per book that were illustrated. And this is supposed to have a lot more. And I'm like, yeah, I'm paying 80 bucks for it. But one, it's Lord of the Rings. You can never have enough Lord of the Rings. Um, but yeah, it, it's just that thing where it's like, and that's what we do appreciate with these, with the, 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 the MCU shows is like, you're giving them enough time to flesh things out, to do character development. And, uh, that's what the Snyder cut did so well. And what, you know, when you look at that stuff that they cut out, like the, the flash and Iris scene, like 
I get it. It's very visual effects heavy, but it's like it's very necessary to kind of understand Barry, even if I was a little annoyed with kind of his rambling to the lady as he's, you know, trying to show he's a good he would be a good employee. But it was it was good character building. And it was like he, you know, still he knew he saw something happening and he was saving a bystander, even though he to be to be, you know, honest, it was a girl he was attracted to. But, uh, you know, but it was still like you got to see, uh, you know, an example of his powers and and everything like that. They, you know, set up Aquaman better. Cyborg has a completely different oh story. He wasn't just a MacGuffin to separate the mother boxes. Uh, you know, he had character depth. He had he had an actual arc and the original intent was for him to be kind of the heart of the movie and we got to see it. So that's what I can appreciate with, with these shows is that, uh, you know, like with Feige having said, you know, it's like a six hour movie. That's how we're kind of looking at these. That's, I I appreciate that because it's giving us the things that, you know, like we've talked about in prior reviews is you can't just go and spend 40 minutes doing an episode of Sam and his sister sitting down at a bank and, you know, arguing over a bank loan. I mean, I might, I probably wouldn't watch that. I might have it turned on in the background. Right. I wouldn't be like sitting there actually watching. That. You'd be, you'd be like, okay, this is the scene I can go make dinner or go to the bathroom. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, even though we do have some kind of like worries that they're not going to be able to wrap this up. We, I think right now we'll just have to see, as they as the episodes release, maybe episode four will be like, okay, we've tied kind of these, you know, yeah, we'll 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 tie these knots up a little bit and you know finish this little bit of arc and this little bit of story here, and um, you know so on and so forth, and and then we can completely walk back what we just said. But I mean, if anyone's looking at this and going, oh yeah, there's nothing wrong with it, uh, I don't see any issues, I don't have any issues with the story, well. Not that there's actual anything wrong with the story. It's just you've got a lot out there and and you can't just leave it hanging. Right. And and that's it might sound like a lot of time, but it's really not, especially when you're breaking it up. It depends. Yeah. How they're going to break it up. Um, So as for a score for this episode, uh, I'm I'm going to land on on a four, like I, I'm, I really want to hover yeah, between a three and a half and a four. <laughs> I like to do the halves, but you can do whatever, whatever <laughs> you feel like. Um, yeah. Cause it's, it's like, it, it wasn't a bad episode. It was a very good fault. Fo- like that's the one thing they've been able to do is each episode has been able to organically build off the, the momentum from the prior episode. Uh, but there are those kind of concerning things about the story uh, and, and whether or not it's going to to end the right way. Uh, and maybe that's not the right way to phrase it, but um, just to make sure make sure I'm not like left with question marks. It's the one thing I don't know if I've mentioned this to you. I know I've mentioned it to Pat. Um, one thing I would love for like TV studios and, and even like Netflix or, or even Hulu or Prime one thing I would love for them to do is if they decide that they're going to not renew a show and, and like 
in the midst of the, the current season airing. So like the writers have already planned out their finale and everything and whatever cliffhangers they want to leave the audience on. Um, and then they're like, Hey, you canceled. Uh, and now you get that episode and you have nothing else that maybe the studios could be like, okay, how much more do you need to finish your story? Okay. You can do it in three episodes. You can do it in six. All right. We'll give you the six episodes. We'll give you your final season. That way you can wrap everything up. Like uh Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, fantastic show, highly underrated ends on season two with John going to the future. And it's like, well, wait, uh, what, what, what? <laughs> I want to know what comes next. You know? well, even if, even if they could just be like, you're canceled, you get one episode because I feel like asking them to give more is like, just not going to happen because the studios and all TV movie, maybe thing, you know, some, yeah, something like, like one more episode to just try and wrap things up or like a, t- yeah, like a TV movie special sort of a thing just to wrap up when you know you're canceled because um if you watched agent carter yeah like that cliffhanger like well crap i, I need to know what happens i haven't finished that. season two so actually i don't think i've seen well, any of season two and i need to know what happens well that's um you know that's that's something we've we've talked about like uh you know with agents of shield one of the reasons you haven't really gone on after was season five was yeah. because like th- at the time they thought they were going to get canceled anyway. So they kind of wrote everything in a yeah, way they, that you would be fine with it. Right. They wrapped it up for me in really well because they, they left you with a, a wanting more enough. Yeah. You know, I say they left us with enough, like the word enough, like in quotes, I, I wanted more enough. I was wrapped up enough. Like everything was all enough. And it right. was that nice balance of, um, of wrapping things up and what it didn't totally feel like a hundred percent goodbye forever, you know, but it was also like, I'm satisfied to stop here. And, and then it was like, Oh, now we have six and I've just not gotten back to like, I feel like I should go back and start back with season one and like to get my interest back into it. Right. Cause I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm kind of happy, like right where we left it. So, well, and that's um like, so kind of one that, is the opposite of that is Krypton like in and, and Krypton to be fair was not a show that I, I could get into. It took me about three, uh, three tries of actually rewatching the premiere. I've watched that premiere more times than I think about almost any other show other than rewatching Smallville. Um, I, I, uh, I, I just was not really brought in by the beginning of, of Krypton um, but then, you know, I'd bought the complete, you know, season one and complete season two. And I was like, well, it's only two seasons and 10 episodes each. Like, okay, I can get through that. And like, they even, uh, you know, how they kind of give you an episode description on an insert on uh, physical media. It even says, well, in the series finale, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, so they actually have an ending. Well, no, they don't like Brainiac's still out there. Um, Wallace Day's character is, on another planet and introduces the Omega symbol and parademons. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it's like, wait a minute. I, I, I want to know what happens. I want to know what's going to come next. And you can't just tell me, Oh yeah, it's a series finale. It's a series finale. Um, you know, it, so I, I think like it would be just 
also kind of just generous enough to a courtesy to the actors and to the crew and everything like that. It's not just like, hey, by the way, you're out of a job because I know if 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 tomorrow work said, hey, we're releasing you in three days, like you're going to be out of here in three days. Am I going to really give a crap about what I'm doing in those three days? <laughs> no, I'm already gone. So like, Mentally, yeah. so like with actors or anyone that's working on that, it's like, why would you put your full effort into it if you just know it's going to end anyways and it's going to end uh, not in a good way? You know, like yeah. it's just it's going to li- end on those cliffhangers or it's going to end on those, you know, unfinished story plots. Um, so, like, I, we just I don't want that to necessarily happen with everything they've introduced in this episode and in this series. I just want those things to be wrapped up unless their plants uh, see, you know, seeds that they've planted for seasons later, you know, um, but since they don't really have a plan for that outside of Loki's, the only one I've heard of anything about a season two for, um, I, I just don't want them to just, just leave us hanging, you know? Yeah. Any final thoughts from you? No, I think we've covered a lot. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We, we certainly, uh, touched on a bit of everything. I think in this episode, uh, certainly far more than just Falcon and winter soldier, but Hey, that's what you get here at the critics, not cynics podcast. Uh, get us a lot of random, uh, tangents, uh, most of it always unedited because I'm I'm going to admit it. I'm a little too uh, lazy to go it back and re-listen through everything and go. Yeah, we can snip that out. Um, but as always, uh, you know, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Critics NT Cynics. Uh, follow us on Facebook at Critics Not Cynics Podcast. Um, we are on Apple, iTunes, uh, Spotify, uh, Podbean. Uh, Google Play, Audible, Amazon Music, basically just about anywhere you can get your podcasts. Uh, you can write into the podcast at uh, criticsnotcynics at gmail.com. And as always, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rate and review on whatever service you get the podcast on. It really helps, uh, you know, share us around and, and help uh, people find the podcast. Uh, I'm going to keep shilling the fact that we got big things coming, we know equipment planned on, on order and uh website coming, uh, at some point. Um, and, uh, you know, improving everything, you know, eventually getting on the YouTube and stuff like that. Uh, as much as I see all these random people who use just their phones or whatever, uh, and they manage to put stuff up on YouTube with relative ease, I have not had <laughs> the, the, the ease of that, and I don't quite know why, and I've got good equipment. So, all right, guys. Well, uh, we will talk to you in the next episode, which will be coming really soon after this one, where we'll be covering uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, it was a really fun time to give you a little bit of a hint and you will hear Pat and I geek out about that movie. So we will talk to you guys next time.